Top Audrey fans, I'm Luis Camposano, you're listening to Friar Lounge. Hello everyone and welcome to the Friar Lounge podcast, where we regularly talk in-depth about the San Diego Padres. We cover the big league club, our minor league clubs, rumors, and the NL West. Let's get started. Thank you for joining the Friar Lounge podcast. My name is Mark Collier, and I'm joined this evening by Nick Recchia. Nick, how's it going? Doing great, Mark. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And uh, as well as George Arcee. George, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing well, Mark. What's up, Nick? How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good, pretty good. Excited about um, talking to you guys. It's, it's, it's been a while, and a lot has happened. Um, so just to kind of recap a little bit, the last podcast we did was... I believe March 6th, um, we were in Peoria talking baseball, excited about, uh, you know, the season upcoming. And uh, since then, a lot's happened, obviously, with um, the global pandemic that we're dealing with now. And, and uh, you know, baseball's effectively been put on hold, and, and, and so are our lives. And, uh, you know, guys, I just, we're here to talk baseball. And I think uh, hopefully, you know, the, uh, our listeners will, will appreciate that. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about tonight about I think just kicking things off about how we're doing with the the challenges of uh, the the baseball season being on hold and and then maybe get into a little bit about like you know what this season might look like. But overall, I'd, I'd like to start you know maybe Nick uh, start with you. Tell me a little bit about how you're how you're doing hanging on here uh, without the baseball season and uh, you know uh, what what have you been what have your thoughts been here since uh, baseball's been on hold, put on hold so far. Yeah, this uh, it's been an interesting month. You know, we kind of started off the month in Peoria, uh, being able to spend a ton of time in the, the backfields and watching the Padres get ready for the season. And you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie, it's, uh, it's it's been kind of tough. You know, the 26 came and passed, and I was expecting to spend the beautiful day at Petco Park, and instead I was, you know, with a stay-at-home order. Uh, you know, staying in my house and trying to stay away, social distancing from everybody else. Uh, I was really hoping to be around 40 other, 40,000 other Padre fans at Petco Park screaming on uh, opening day, but things don't always uh, work out as planned, you know? Yeah, thanks for the honesty, man. It's it's tough. Um, I'll just share a little bit about what, what's been going on for me. I've just been, you know, baseball's been on my mind. I, I think for me, I'm just... You know, we're trying to keep. Um, we're just we're all trying to stay active on Twitter and just finding things to talk about to like fill that baseball void. I think, if you will, and um, looking up stats, watching old ball games. You know, I even picked up some baseball cards that were uh, in my storage shed and was looking at those a little bit. And you know, uh, George, I like to kick it over to you. How are you holding up? And and what have you been doing to uh, you know think about? Uh, you know, baseball and kind of get through this time. Yeah, no, the, like you guys said, man, it's it's been tough, especially with the momentum that we as fans and here in San Diego felt we were carrying into the season. Uh, a lot of things, except, you know, to be excited about, um, you know, from the coaching to, to the team on the field. And, you know, a month ago we were talking about, you know, what the cuts were going to be, who's going to be playing second and catching, and then, you know, who's playing the outfield. And now, we have uh, let's let's keep it real, guys. We have bigger concerns. It's about safety and you know uh, staying home. But ultimately, uh, you, you know, we're all gets. And I think uh, you know the one thing I have seen in 
in the land of Twitter is, um, man, us Padres, we, we have some amazing fans out there and there's been a lot of great interactions on all the platforms. And, and uh, I think, uh, you know, we're going to hang in there and, and make it through this. So uh, we'll see what happens, man. No, thanks, George. Absolutely. And, and I think you touched on something, you know, as far as momentum. Let's talk about that a little bit. Right. You know, um, something we, we've talked about, I think, you know, offline here is, is about like the momentum. Um, you know, I feel like the Padres obviously were playing very well, maybe outside of the last, you know, three or four games there before the spring ended. Um, you know, I think we saw a lot from the pitching and a lot of development and, um, you know, there's a lot of us moving in the right direction. And um, how, how does, you know, if and when a season does start, I mean, I, I guess we just maybe talk about this briefly is, you know, Jace Tingler had his team ready, it felt like, for the, the baseball season to start. And now pitchers have been shelved and, and kind of the momentum, that momentum is effectively gone. You know, think about a guy like Will Myers who's having a nice spring and Brian Dozier who's battling for a, a, a spot and, and with Jerks and Profar. And uh, I just would love to have a, just a quick conversation, guys, about like, you know, what does that momentum look like? And then maybe we can talk a little bit about, you know, what comes after that. Uh, George, I'll kick it over to you as, you know, what what happens to that momentum and and what do you think these players are going to have to do when they have to ramp back up or, or if they have to ramp back up this year? Yeah, you know, uh, Tingler just gave a pretty cool interview with Jesse Agler yesterday. Uh, you know, again, he's everyone's bummed out, but, um, you know, he, he thinks the team needs about three weeks to get ready and, and go full go. It's pretty, pretty much what they had done through spring training. And uh, I believe currently they, they are having selective workouts at Petco Park. Uh, I think it's groups of two to three at the most just to keep the social distancing in play. But, uh, but yeah, we're going to see, man. We don't know when the season's going to get going. Um, you know, the guys have to be not only physically ready and keep working out, but, uh, and this goes for all of us, we have to, to stay mentally ready through all of this and uh, make sure we're all doing the right things and that the players are doing the right things in terms of their diets and their workouts. So uh, you never know. You know, it could be two months. It could be four months. It, it might be next season, guys, but... Uh, the, the guy's got to be ready to, to get going uh, once the announcements are made. Yeah, George, you make you make some uh, just valid points. And I think just thinking about it from my perspective, it's it's kind of self – in some ways it's selfish because I think for me as a baseball fan, like I want to have something to occupy my time. I'm, you know, self-quarantining. I'm at home. And, you know, quite honestly, it's that's, that's not easy. Um, and, and making people are making adjustments. But for the health and safety of – of people in the community and for my family, that's the right thing to do. But, uh, you know, Nick, I just, I'll kick it over to you. It's, uh, you know, give me some of your thoughts and, and then uh, maybe we can open it up to some deeper discussion about beyond 2020 or, or, or with the rest of 2020. Yeah. I mean, the, the reality is, is baseball is big business and, you know, it definitely is something that uh, gives us something to enter, you know, be entertained with. Um, but it's it's a game at the end of the day, and you know there there's that dose of humanity that hits you when you realize all the things that are happening around the world and from country to country, and um, you know you, you want to make sure that the, the individuals themselves are are staying safe and spending time with loved ones, uh, and, and you know just doing everything uh, the same as the rest of us, trying to just have some social distancing and and being safe and playing a waiting game. You know there's a large swath of America right now that's waiting to go back to their professions right now. And, and I would say being a professional baseball player is really not that much different right now. 
So um, you're trying to stay prepared mentally, physically, you know, what the case may be, and uh, kind of staying by the phone and waiting for some news uh, that you're going to be, you know, asked to, to come on back. So, uh, but the, it's the, the human element, I think, is obviously much more important right now than uh, playing baseball. You know, making sure people are safe uh, and, and make it through this okay is the top priority. And uh, it's one of those things I think uh, we take for granted sometimes is uh, the, the small things of enjoyment that we get, especially from, let's say, watching baseball, your favorite team, your favorite players, stuff like that. Uh, and a little bit of uh, humility, I think, as a species uh, is what we're experiencing at the moment. So, Yeah, the one yeah. thing uh, I just wanted to add something, guys. I, I do want to, you know, big kudos call out to the organizations, teams, individual players for, for really stepping up and, and taking care of a lot of the workers uh, here at the at the pro stadiums that are out of work here for the next little while, you know, from the concessions to, you know, really anyone that, you know, the ushers, anyone that's impacted and everybody who's, uh, you know, uh, not getting a paycheck right now. And I know, uh, you know, the Texas outfielder, Chu, he just made a pretty good, good donation to a lot of the employees there. And uh, I just think it's awesome. Uh, a lot of the country and teams and players are pulling together to, to help everybody out. So, I just wanted to, to say thanks to everybody uh, and give kudos out to that. Yeah, I make mean, a great point, George. You know, it's uh, it's it, the the idea. It seems a little cliche now, but the idea that we are we are in this together is 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 true. You know, people staying home, people taking care of other people, looking after grandparents, older parents, check checking in on people that that matters right now. And you know, it's 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 weird. It's a weird time, and I think that's just the reality. Um, and, um, yeah, but Nick, make, I'll, I'll kick it back over to you and maybe we can talk a little bit more about, um, I know you had some thoughts about what, what 2020 might look like. Uh, I'd like to talk about that a little bit, but I'll, I'll throw it over to you. Well, the 2020 season right now is obviously kind of at the mercy of mother nature at the moment. So, you know, we're, we're going to have to kind of see what happens with that, um, Right now, the the rumor is on the street of uh, MLB that you know, and if everything was to work perfectly, I guess uh, as of right now, you'd be looking at baseball hopefully right around July fourth. Obviously, take a look at that. You're looking at basically half a season. Um, I think right now that is in most eyes a uh, optimistic view as to how much of the season is going to be available to play. Um, there is also a segment of uh, baseball people that are looking at the 2020 season possibly not being played at all. So that is a realistic possibility at this point. Uh, um, it's obviously not something that you know, we're looking forward to. It's not something that we're hoping for. But I, I think um, due to the climate of, of what's happening in, in the world at the moment, in this country as well, uh, it's definitely something that it is a realistic possibility that might happen. So... You know, we have to be prepared for that. And MLB has agreed with the players' union that there will be some uh, agreed-upon rules, uh, agreed-upon things moving forward if there is a segmented season or if there is no season played at all. One of those being, uh, if you had enough service time during the 2019 season to qualify as a service year, it will count as a service year this year. With that being said players that were due to hit free agency after the 2020 season 
whether it be Mookie Betts or JT Romuto, Marcus Stroman, Trevor Bauer, even San Diego Padre jerks from Profar, they would reach free agency whether a game is played during the 2020 season or not. So, so let's so let's talk about that, guys. Mr. Mookie Betts and the Los Angeles Dodgers, huh? I mean, from a team that might have gotten screwed out of some maybe a maybe some hardware, courtesy of the Houston Astros, uh, you know, garbage can. And now uh, you trade Alex Verdugo, a kid with some years in control for Mookie Betts, and go get a big player, and there's a chance he doesn't even see the diamond, guys. So good for the Padres, not so good for the Dodge a little bit. Yeah. That just breaks hard as a Doyer fan, uh, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like the Dodgers have the capital to go and, and make that investment and continue to, him to be a Dodger. As much as I, as much as I don't want that to happen, I feel like – what he's what he means in his leadership that I from something I read from Dave Roberts kind of gave me the idea that like you know it's not going to be a one and done there you know he's a they, they picked him up for a reason and they have the cash to keep him um but you know it I, I think it's it's cool that you know, there's a possibility he doesn't play there but same time I'd rather have baseball back um you know and and Nick you make some great points it's like a lot of the things we were talking about look kind of different now. And, you know, a couple of things that come to mind is, is Profar, you mentioned, right, is, okay, that was our second baseman. And, you know, there's uncertainty of Brian Dozier is, you know, he looked okay in camp, but we didn't see enough of him. And so the second base position seems a bit un- unknown now. And, and, yeah, I don't know what, what a half season would look like and, and the logistics of actually trying to play baseball. Um, that just seems – um, you know, with families, how do you see your family? How do you go back and see your um, family and not expose them to something? Like just logistics of all of that seem really difficult. So, yeah, I'm, I'm perplexed to see how this actually works out. I mean, there's there's some major cities in the U.S., in New York and in Florida and Detroit that are, are baseball cities that I would have a hard time believing that baseball can be played there in July. And so it feels like those are going to have to be played. Those games would have to be played elsewhere in, in some some ways. But um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll we'll see. And and as a fan, like I'm, I'm certainly being selfish. I would love to see baseball back. Um, so yeah, um, right. yeah, George, you got something? Yeah, no, absolutely, guys. I mean, I I I hope and I think Major League Baseball has to have a few backup plans. You know, whether it's a 110 game season, an abandoned season. You know, I've seen some polls and some ideas out there of like a one-month tournament just to have some interest, you know. Do you play in empty stadiums, you know? Uh, there's TV contracts in play. Uh, Nick Ahmed, the shortstop from the, the Arizona Diamondbacks, came out yesterday in an article saying, do all players go around wearing, you know, handkerchief, you know, like masks, you know, just to protect themselves if they're going to play. So uh, I think all hands are on deck right now at the MLB offices and they have to explore. There's a lot – at stake, but number one again is going to be the health of everybody and how safe um, you know everybody is, uh, whether they decide to put people on the diamond. And and I think you make. I'll just jump in, with Nick, and I'll kick it over to you. Is, is I think that that's a, it's a great point. Is is what what does does everybody feel comfortable playing? Like if you have a team, a twenty six man roster, for example, do all twenty six of those guys feel comfortable actually being on the field? I mean, I think that's a valid question. I would assume because they're young and healthy. But I, there's, I, I'm assuming there's a percentage of players who may not feel like 
I feel comfortable stepping on the field because I have a family at home. Um, which that's just like a whole other story in itself. But what, you know, Nick, I'll, I'll throw it back over to you, man. Love your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I just take an example of, uh, one game being played, let's say at Petco park, you're going to look at two 26 man rosters and I'm talking about the bare minimum for a game to be played. So you're looking at your two 26 man rosters. You're looking at for the Padres upwards of eight to nine coaches that are there for support. Four umpires. You're looking at uh, grounds crew, radio guys, TV guys, um, you know the, the camera guys. You're you're easily looking at probably ballpark about a hundred people to be able to put on a major league baseball game. That at a minimum, right there yeah. goes. Yeah, that goes against any type of social distancing like that. Having an umpire catcher and, and a ball player, and all you know, let's say. 12 of those ballplayers coming up by that umpire, which, by the way, most umpires are usually not spring chickens. So uh, is the umpires union going to uh, approve of this, of, about their liability by putting them into a position where they could possibly be exposed to hundreds of different major league ball players over X amount of time? Well, I'm going to stop you um, there, though, real quick, Nick. Yeah. But but the robo-umps, right? What about the robo-umps? You know, that, I know that that's not something you – you can go accelerate, I think, because you ha- you didn't get a chance to test it in spring. But like, I feel like probably the umps don't have as much a leg to stand on, even though obviously they should, given the health risk. But I, I think if you're Major League Baseball, that's got to be something to be considered as far as accelerating that conversation, just given that's four less people who are obviously intimately part of the game, if you will. Um, sorry to cut you off. I just I think that's an important point to make because we're talking about this, but. I'll, I'll throw it back over to you or George. Yeah, guys. I mean, I, there's other variables in play too, man. I mean, there's, yeah, there's the older coaches that, you know, that, that are on the benches, you know, are they going to be up in the booths or in the dugout um, where, you know, you got to be mindful of people, you know, over 60 now. Um, what happens with the travel? Where are they going to play? Airports, hotels, you know, they're, they're exposing themselves to other areas and other people, not just the ball field, you know, then you're talking about when they're home, they're going home to their families, you know. Uh, the fact that all of this stuff could be uh, asymptomatic, it's a big deal, guys. And so, again, uh, I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll, not just for baseball, but for everything from business to baseball, we're going to see uh, you know, if, if this curve is flattening and there'll be an opportunity to, to play some baseball this year, man. I mean, I'll, I'll just throw it out there, like, what do you got? What's your percentage? You feel like this is actually going to happen this year, guys? Because I I want it to happen as a baseball fan, but like I don't have a lot of like confidence right now that we're going to have a season. Uh, as much as I want it to be like, yeah, they're going to figure this out. They're going to play in empty stadiums and they'll figure out the logistics and you know safety and all of that. But I mean, what do you, Nick? What do you? I'll think? be honest. I'm going to put the percentage at about ten to fifteen percent because. Uh, when the news is coming out saying that there's going to be another wave coming coming in, in the fall, which is pretty much October when the World Series should be getting played, um, the numbers don't add up with that, man. And uh, like I said, it'll probably be a super condensed season, maybe a tournament, kind of like the World Baseball Classic, if if, if the players that want to participate want to. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I hate to say it, um, you know, but yeah, I'd, I'd put the percentage pretty low, to be honest. Nick, go ahead, man. 
I'm, I'm going to share a, a tweet that Padres Farm kind of shared today. He premised a question and a lot of feedback on it. And the question was just basically, let's say in a couple months, would you as an individual feel comfortable bringing your family to a ball game with 30,000, 40,000 people around you? Is that something as a society we think we're going to be comfortable doing in a couple months? And I know for me, the resounding answer was no. Same here. And, Let uh, me ask you this. What if they get creative and maybe allow only a third of the stadium to attend, meaning spaced out seating, and you bring your own food? You still have the, the logistics of getting people in the stadium and controlling people like – you know, social distancing and stuff like that. It's still a baseball game. And like, uh, you know, I don't, I know I, I, I'll have to say is like, I take my dog on a walk and I remember social distancing, but you know, I, I encounter like little kids are walking with their parents and they want to come over and, you know, pet the dog. And like, you know, sometimes it's hard even just that. Cause you're like, that's a natural thing you want to do is like, let the little kid, you know, pet the dog. And it's just, you know, if you're a baseball fan and you're at the game, like, can you have, thousands of people can you monitor that and you know uh, i think you i don't think you can yeah, have fans in there probably gonna happen yeah and you can have people converging on balls and yeah i mean you're right it'll be tough to control i agree and and, and like but i think we talked about the little, little bit offline i think it's worth talking about is like so there's some things you can do right you can you know eventually kind of move towards the robo ump you can you could have the coaches, kind of like in the NFL, right? They have a coach's box, the offensive coordinators in the coach's box. You know, we have – there's radio headsets and stuff. You could do plenty of that, right? Uh, I think that's – like those are ways that you can kind of minimize exposure from players to coaches and, and do, you know, a lot like a lot of us are doing nowadays, WebExes and stuff like that, right? You can have a lot of team meetings like that. Um, certainly different. Um, but, you know, if you really wanted to make it happen – I think the, the biggest thing is probably like, you know, families, like, do you not get to see your family during the season? Because if you've been traveling and hanging out with all these other players and can you, you know, what's because quarantine is, is going to be a thing, right? It's two, two weeks. So what happens to these players? Like if their season's over to then they have to go on a two week quarantine before they can see their family. Um, you know, testing is obviously something that's not even really happening at this point. So I think that's it. When that becomes more prevalent, then it maybe gets easier. Um, just so many variables to think about that it hard, it's hard to imagine this. So if I had to say, I would say it's probably more like 10, 15%, like you guys are saying, just very little chance of this happening this year, which sucks. Uh, I'll just be honest. Um, but um, what do we want to talk about next? Um, yeah, guys, no, I just wanted to go ahead and segue into, uh, you know, I put a cool little poll out the other day on, uh, you know, who... Uh, you know, people thought our top first baseman in Padre history would be. And uh, we had some pretty good results. We had about 230 people uh, respond to the poll. And, uh, you know, the, the the guy who won kind of by a landslide was Mr. Adrian Gonzalez at 46%. The other three people that we put in the poll were uh, Fred McGriff, Mr. Wally Joyner, and Steve Garvey. And, um, you know, some people definitely, um, you know, had some opinions on Mr. Nate Colbert, you know, definitely being warranted and, I just ran out of uh, space to put him on the poll, but definitely uh, should have been in there. But I uh, just wanted to see kind of bounce it around and see what you guys thought on who you guys thought was, uh, you know, our top first baseman of all time and, and why. 
Nick, why don't you take this first one? I, I think we, overall, when you look at the first baseman, that have that have been a full time first baseman for us, not partial guys like a Phil Nevin, Ryan Clasco, that era even. Um, you're looking at, at guys that have had big moments in Padre history, and Adrian Gonzalez returning home to San Diego as the number one overall pick in the 2000 draft at Eastlake High School, um, going to the Marlins, and then coming to San Diego in the Chris Young uh, Aki, or Aki Utska trade, I believe. That was uh, you know pretty phenomenal, being able to have a hometown kid be the star of the team, obviously the Latin player uh, with ties to Mexico as well. Um, in terms of performance, he performed like a star when he was here in San Diego for the Padres. Uh, unfortunately, like we've heard many times in the past, uh, came down to extension contract concerns, and that expedited his way out of San Diego. But in terms of performance, when he was here with the team, it was outstanding. Uh, I do have a soft spot for Wally Joyner in the 1998 season, too. Uh, but I think Adrian Gonzalez, uh, head and shoulders, was above every other first baseman in the, the team's brief history. No, I, I'll jump. I'll jump in here. So, you know, there's there's some names. I'm just gonna go over some of the names. So I'm talking Adrian Gonzalez, talking Fred McGriff, Steve Garvey, uh, Joiner, as you mentioned, Nate Colbert. Um, you know, there's Eric Hosmer. There's there's Wally Joiner and Willie McCovey. I think those are the names that. You know, maybe maybe Jack Clark uh, in terms of just you know names that you have to think about when you're talking about first base. Um, you know, in thinking about this, you know, I think statistically, Adrian Gonzalez, you know, takes the cake in terms of being like the the best first baseman as a Padre. Just looking at his, I think he had the highest WAR. It was in 2009. He had a WAR of 6.9, which and he led the NL walks that year. So I think he takes the cake overall, but, you know, Fred McGriff had, you know, two and a half seasons that were pretty tremendous with the Padres and he was, he was with the Padres here in his prime. So, you know, it's, but he, he was on the heels of the fire sale. And so I, I think some of what he could have done if he had, had given him a chance to play longer with the Padres would have been better. Uh, Garvey, you know, Garvey has probably one of the biggest moments in Padre history. You know, that home run game four in, 90, in 1984 series against the Cubs, walk off against Lee Smith is big. But, you know, Garvey came to the pot. That, he was 35 years old when he did that. And he was, you know, on the declining side of his career, um, but certainly a good player for the Padres. Um, Colbert, you know, I, I looked at, you know, certainly wasn't watching baseball when Nate Colbert was a Padre, but. You know, he kind of, his numbers kind of remind me of Fran Mill Reyes. Uh, he was a lot of home runs, you know, a lot of strikeouts, um, you know, really only had 100 RBIs for one season. And then, you know, I think a lot of people have a soft spot for Wally Joyner. He was a bit older, but Wally Joyner was a historically a damn good player. Um, he was on the 96, 98 playoff teams, obviously the team that went to the World Series um, you know, career 289 hitter. But I, I think, you know, just getting back to it is Adrian Gonzalez, I think statistically is the guy. Um, but there's some, you know, decent names historically that, that kind of stand out. Um, George, I'll throw it back over to you. Like, you know, what are you thinking about the Padres first base situation? Yeah, Mark, I mean, uh, you and I grew up in the same era, you know, I mean, uh, for me, I agree. Adrian Gonzalez is, is kind of a, a great story. You know, he played on the team a little longer than most of these guys we're going to talk about, but 
Um, the hometown story plays well. A uh, handful of all-star teams. And, you know, was the, our big hitter in our lineup, you know, for, for about four or five seasons. Uh, for me, Steve Garvey again, one of the biggest moments in, in franchise history for the pods, man. The big homer against the Cubbies and ho-ho doctor, you know. Um, Wally Joyner, again, came over from the Royals, similar to Eric Hosmer. Um, had his, his pretty much good good years in Kansas City and came over to the Padres as one of those final pieces, a veteran piece, kind of like what we're hoping with Hosmer. And uh, Wally Joyner, he didn't hit 50 bombs, you know, but he played a, a really good defense at first, saved a lot of runs there, and, uh, you know, and got the big hit when he needed. But for me, you know, if for me picking my favorite was Fred McGriff because, man, hitting win that lineup with Gary Sheffield, you know, I was probably about, what, you know, 15, 16 in the middle of playing baseball, you know, at the little league fields, getting into high school ball. And those were special times, man. And the crime dog, let me tell you, it wasn't just uh, that big whippet swing from the left-handed batter's box, man. But those baseball school commercials, man, let me tell you, man, I, I wanted to buy that. I wanted to make those three easy payments of 1995 all summer, baby. But oh, me, Tom Amansky. Um, yeah, Tom Amansky <laughs> uh, was the man, so. For me, it was Fred McGriff, man. But, again, I'd say the Pleskos, the Nevins, um, shoot. Uh, I think, man, we even had Mike Piazza playing first base for us a couple times. So we've had some uh, some decent people coming through. But for me, it's uh, Fred McGriff and Adrian right behind him. Well, I just want to say, I think it's 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 hard to, when you say who's the best first baseman all the time and, and who is your favorite, because I think it kind of matters what era you grew up in, right? Like, I I got to watch the 84 and the, the 98 club, which was, you know, I was a little guy in 1984, but, you know, I think that matters to Padre fans, like which era you were in and who was your favorite player. Like, honestly, like Fred McGriff and Wally Joyner, like Wally Joyner was, if you look at his numbers with the Padre, he was, you know, consistently over like 360 OBP and, you know, hitting in the 280s, 290s. He was just a damn good player for us. And he was on the downside of his career um so i think that kind of matters and you know i think adrian gonzalez had one playoff with the padres and uh wally joiner actually had two two padre uh two two seasons where he was with there um so you know anyway but i think adrian statistically gets it because he was with the longest he was with us the longest but i would also add that like we talked about this earlier nick that you know that this was the era when numbers and, and salaries was starting to really ramp up. And that was something that didn't play well for the Padres, you know, and, and uh, Gonzalez moved on and got huge money from Dodgers and the Red Sox. And so anyway, um, and that's not good, Mr. Fred McGriff finished about seven homers shy of 500 and should be sitting in the hall of fame as we speak right now. So hopefully he gets his due justice because the guy was a 284 hitter, 52 career war player, and uh, there's zero reason why Fred McGriff should not have Hall of Fame support. So, um, Mr. Crime Dog, if you're listening, you got my vote, buddy. No, you're you're right, Nick. Do you have anything else to say? I have I have I have a few more things to say about McGriff. I'll let you jump in though. Uh, it was just for his entire major league career, the guy was just the model of of consistency uh, from. You knew you could always pencil him in for 25 to 30 home runs, about 100 RBIs, give or take. Uh, and it was just consistency. And there's not that many, uh, not too many ball players 
that have played this game that have done it as consistently as he has. And I don't think he ever had that one season where he just wowed you and hit 50 bombs or anything like that. There was another guy who had a very long career who just accumulated stats over and over and over with the model of consistency. Not obviously to a much greater extent than Mr. McGriff, but Hank Aaron. I mean, it, it was just the accumulation of very high-quality, consistent seasons. Hank Aaron never hit 70 bombs, 60 bombs in a season, but he hit his 35, 40 home runs every year. And Fred McGriff, God love the guy, uh, wasn't super flashy, wasn't super exciting, but in an era where his contemporaries were, from, from all reports, cheating left and right, the guy never changed. He never grew a different hat size. He didn't come in 30 pounds heavier jersey, but he was Mr. Crime Dog, consistency at its best. No doubt. And just to to bring this back is 92. Um, the That was an all-star. That was the year the Padres hosted the all-star game. And Fred McGriff led the National League in home runs that year with 35. And, you know, he, he was here really in his prime. He was 27 to 29. He was with the Padres two and a half seasons, as we mentioned. Um, he was an all-star a couple times. And, and, and I think, you know, I wouldn't be fair to say that, you know, that he benefited probably from one of the best lineups historically, at least the top of the lineup with Tony Fernandez, Tony Gwynn, Gary Sheffield, and Fred McGriff. I mean, that's a, that's a, a pretty awesome top four and one of my favorite all-time teams just that was pretty fun to watch the off that team offensively um but uh yeah that's i guess i could keep talking about this for a while but uh what else we want to jump in you guys so to, to finish off we're talking about fred mcgriff and we're talking about that team right there right fred mcgriff gary sheffield fernandez and, of course, Mr. Potter, Tony Gwynn. So that leads us to that 1992 season, which offensively was one of the better rosters the organization's ever had. And, of course, let's talk about the 1992 All-Star game that was played here in San Diego. And, unfortunately, uh, even though there were so many Padres in the game, there was a whole bunch of former Padres uh, that were also in the game that the team had either – traded or let go over the handful of years before the 1992 season. So we'll talk about those real quick. Uh, it's a litany on the National League and American League rosters. Uh, Mark, go ahead if you want to add a couple here. Um, yeah, the, the two that come to mind, I, and I was actually fortunate enough to be at that. I went to the the, all, the home run derby and, and the game itself, and – uh, the two that stand out to me, uh, so certainly a lot of Padres in that game. The I think the guys that I mentioned were all in there, but Fernandez, Gwynn, Sheffield, and McGriff were all having tremendous years. But the two that stand out to me is one of my favorite all-time Padres. The, the guy that got away, I feel, is, was Bip Roberts and, and John Crook. Um, those were two guys you kind of thought would be part of the Padres' future, if you will, and... I think the Padres went through so many just like fire sales and like, oh, this guy's talented. We can get something for him and we don't have a lot of money. Those two names like stand out to me. I'm just like, I'm bummed they didn't have longer careers with the Padres. And, and that's, I think that's something we can say about a lot of Padres, to be honest. But uh, 
Um, George, yeah, I'll, I'll maybe I'll throw it over to you, or Nick, if I'll throw it back, ping pong it back to you. Um, those are the ones that stand out to me. Um, I'll just add that, you know, kind of disappointed with Tommy Glavin's performance in that 92 game because that game got out of hand pretty quick with his giving up six runs in that first inning. Um, could have been a much better game, but um, uh, anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll kick it back over to you guys. Yeah. I mean, for me, guys, uh, the one that got away, I mean, we're, we're, we're from San Diego, man, so let's not lie to ourselves. Between the Padres and Chargers, we've seen a lot of players go away and win championships, and, and it's been it gets a little wearing, but I mean, for me, Roberto Alomar, uh, a kid with that upside, switch hitting second baseman, uh, getting rid of him. You know, we didn't just get rid of him. You know, we traded him and Joe Carter uh, to the Blue Jays for what was Fred McGriff and Tony Fernandez, a package that I believe uh, worked out for both teams uh, at the end of the day. But, you know, Roberto Alomar, uh, you know, Sandy Alomar, uh, you know, we ended up trading him because uh, we didn't have room for him and Benito to play on the team. So, uh, you know, just for some frustrations, you know, on someone's, you know, some of these players that got away. But at the end of the day, the teams had to make business moves and we didn't have a payroll really. And unfortunately, we didn't have baseball fans running our teams. You know, we had business people, um, you know, in Tom Werner uh, running the San Diego Padres. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was a business and they were turning it for a profit and it was what it was. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about the players that, you know, have kind of gone on to successes. But, yeah, Bip Roberts, he was another local local guy that the fans loved, and uh, he went on to have some successful years in Cincinnati, like you said, Mark. Yeah, and I, I just think about some of the the, the talent and, you know, you know I, I'm, I'm thankful that Trevor Hoffman was a Padre and we obviously traded. We got, we got Trevor Hoffman as a result of trading Gary Sheffield, but Gary Sheffield was a pretty amazing player that I felt like should have been with the Padres much longer. Um, unfortunately, the, the fire sale season of 93 – you know, uh, we, we, we started dumping players. And so the, the talent that we brought in and the, who we traded, you know, Robbie Alomar to, to get, you know, those a year and a half later, those guys were gone. And that's, that's unfortunate. Um, you know, there's plenty of guys over time. Uh, and Nick, I think you'd mentioned prior was Bayerga and thinking about like Ozzy Smith, a guy like that, that just, you know, kind of got away. Um, that's kind of been the Padres' mo. Uh, I think you know, just like other than Tony Gwynn, you know, there's well, a lot of guys have kind of come and gone, and um, you know, I guess that's that's part of baseball. But um, uh, you know, I think it's it's a lot of times it's been about the dollars, and I feel like maybe we're on the other side of that now, where we're obviously spending more money, and we have TV contracts that are different. But I feel like what the Padres are doing, at least going in the right direction. Um, but that's that's another story. So Nick, I'll throw I'll throw it back over to you. Get your thoughts here. Yeah, the the, the nineteen ninety two All Star teams uh, were. Like I said it was a litany of, of former Padres up and down both the AL and NL rosters. Uh, what was kind of funny is there was even some future Padres that made that team uh, that were in their uh, some of their first games. So. Uh, Kevin Brown, he had made his first All-Star appearance that year for the Rangers, mm. obviously the ace of our 1998 World Series team. Uh, former coach Mark McGuire, he was on there as well. So, there, like I said, there was a, a who's who of former Padres or in future Padres. Mark Langston was on that 1998 team. He was a part of that All-Star team as well. Uh, like I said, up and down, you saw former and future Padres up and down that uh, – 
those rosters. So a very intriguing look back uh, in terms of the 1992 All-Star team. Uh, go ahead, George. I think you got something to add here. Yeah, I mean, just to have, you know, fuel to the fire here. In, in, in October of 92, the Padres traded All-Star Tony Fernandez to the Mets for Wally Whitehurst and Raul Casanova. Um, you know, you could say that that was one of many trades that didn't work out. And, and let's dig a little deeper, guys. Maybe maybe it was the Padres' failure to sign a second rounder that year to Mr. Todd Helton, who I think you guys know went on to have a pretty lustrous career in the Colorado Rocky organization. So a lot of stuff the Padres did in that 92 season uh, didn't really work out for them. And like you said, it was the fire sale that just uh, started the domino effect of just uh, – you know, some lackluster seasons. And, and George, what hurt me the most is like, I think a, a season later, if I remember right, uh, Tony Fernandez was sent over to the, the Blue Jays. And so Tony Fernandez and Roberto Alomar then played together, which was kind of just uh, a thorn in the side for me because those are guys that, yeah. you know, now they're playing again together. We traded for him and then Re the Hall of Famer, Roberto Alomar, had this, you know, tremendous career in Toronto and, uh, you know, obviously a few other places. But, um, yeah, that was, that was tough. Yeah. Um, anything else to add, guys? Or do you want to um, – we've been talking baseball for a little while. Um, I'm sorry, Mark. No, I was just going to say, man, I, I hopefully uh, things get better for us here and we see these guys on the diamond and, um, you know, we can get back to some normalcy and, and watching some baseball, man. But ultimately uh, we want everyone to be safe out there, man. Yeah, no, thanks, George. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that to both of you. I, I appreciate you, the fact that both of you guys are social distancing and, and, and following what's going on here in, in, in California. And, and, and we're just doing our part. And, you know, uh, I think we all want baseball back, you know, being selfish and, and, and wanting to see baseball and seeing life get back to, to normal, if you will, or some sense of normalcy. But, um, you know, we just encourage everybody to stay safe, uh, social distancing and, and, um, you know, this is something that we're going to try and do from time to time to to stay engaged with fans, to, to keep sane and to keep the conversation going about baseball. So we appreciate everybody listening and uh, um, certainly I'd stay safe. And, um, you know, you can continue to connect with us on our social media platforms, uh, Facebook, um, Twitter. Um, you know, uh, we're all there and, and trying to put out content just to kind of uh, pass the time and to keep baseball alive so uh, we'll we'll talk to you next time Padre fans and uh, take care of yourselves thank you for listening to the Friar Lounge podcast for more awesome content about your San Diego Padres visit our website friarlounge.com or check us out on Twitter or Facebook have a great week and go Padres <laughs>